Welcome to the Romani Tea Room, a podcast series by the European Roma Rights Centre, talking about Romani activism, history and culture. So pour yourself a cup of tea, pull up a chair and join us. I like to wear clothing that tells a story. One day you may see me with t-shirt that portrays a feminist poet. Another day I'm holding a bag with a hand-painted balconies of my home city, Tbilisi. They all have meaning and story behind them. But perhaps the oldest story comes from this scarf which I inherited from my great-grandmother. A Romani scarf that once was kept in my non-Roma grandmother's wardrobe in 50s Georgia. This colorful flowery scarf was also worn by my mom and now I perfectly fit it with a modern outfit, even with a torn jeans. We often have cultural or emotional connection with certain type of clothes. I get this all the time. This is especially true for items of clothing which symbolize an ethnic or cultural background. And it can be distressing when we feel that someone else is disrespecting our heritage by misusing, appropriating or profiting from our culture. For Romani people, the clothes they wear are often heavily associated with their ethnicity. Non-Roma society often visualizes a stereotypical image of Roma, particularly Romani women, and how they think they should dress. Very often, items of clothing which are sold as so-called gypsy fashion have nothing to do with Roma, and the profit from the appropriating Romani culture do not return back to Romani people. There are some people who are trying hard to change this, however. And today we are speaking with Boglarka Fedorko, creative manager at Romani Design. Hungary's first Roma fashion studio founded 10 years ago. In the second part, you will hear from Louise Brooks-Jones, the founder of Diklo Collective, who sends traditional scarves and ribbons all over the world to promote Romani people wearing their traditional clothing and patterns with pride. Stay tuned. and Helena Borga, sisters born into a traditional Romani, Vlach Romani family, uh, came up with the idea of the brand. They did not only want to make a statement with fashion, but also wanted to promote Roma aesthetics, Roma culture, Roma wear traditions. So the aim was always to come up with really high quality designs based on their community's tradition and to really target a segment of people who appreciate high quality design and also to you know, empower the Roma community by showing uh, the traditions, uh, showing the diversity of traditions within Roma communities in specifically in, in their culture. So that you know, this forgotten and under-discussed segment of, of Roma culture is represented and, and people can reclaim with their clothing uh, this identity, this cultural identity. So we never really wanted to, you know, just produce t-shirts with inspirational or empowering messages. Uh, we wanted to do something more complex. Um, so this is why all these different wear traditions are rethought, reinvented in, in Romani's garments and pieces. 
So this is a really complex way, I believe, in, in telling and retelling stories of Roma identities, communities. And uh, we, with each collection, we explore a certain message, a certain topic, a certain theme. One of, one of my favorite collections was uh, Rebel Spirits, which was uh, homage to, to Roma women, to powerful Roma women. Mm-hmm. So we were, for instance, using the, the portraits, the archive portraits of uh, Helena's and, and Erica's mother and grandmother, who were really outstanding, brave, uh, multi-talented women in their communities. So, you know, we kind of like try to tell a deeper story, not just, you know, like uh, come up with a slogan or, or a logo for for a simple message, but we really want to uh, formulate these really deep and authentic messages about Roma culture. What is it like the production and planning process in Romani design? How does it work? Can you describe it for us? Yeah, it's a really collaborative process, I would say. So usually uh, we do one collection per year and sometimes smaller so-called capsule collections. So usually the, the launch of the collection is around October, October, end of October, November. So we already start working on it from, I would say, February, March on. And we brainstorm a lot and we sometimes also fight a lot about what would be the topic, what would be the forms, what would be the aesthetics behind the collection. And uh, we have a list of themes, ideas, like a repository of inspiration, I think. And somehow we, you know, sit through it, discuss it for some time. We go to a restaurant together or we cook a meal together. We discuss about it. So it's a really informal way of of generating, you know, uh, a collection. It's a mixed uh, working environment, but uh, majority Roma. So yeah, we we try to balance it out. And uh, the the thing is that also it's really hard to, you know, have uh, Roma seamstresses, for instance, or or tailors, because they are so much excluded from mainstream education um, in these professions. Also the quality of education in Hungary, you know, in vocational education is, is, quite low, I would say. So in order to, you know, really be able to give more women, uh, Roma women opportunities in in production, we would need uh, quite some projects to enhance their skills and capacities and, and do formal programs with them. We had training programs which were successful. So we have some colleagues who still who were trained in these training programs and uh, had the chance to, you know, intern for Romani and they are still with us. The Romani Design has been participating in multiple fashion shows and catwalks lately. So it's interesting, what is your experience at uh, fashion shows in general and also in the world of high-end fashion? Erika, the, the woman who established the company, really believes that the so-called elite, she's using that term usually. So those who are in a position to shape uh, attitudes amongst the population. So intellectuals, uh, artists, actors, actresses. So they really have the power, you know, to to uh, stand up for, for Roma people and uh, also to mainstream their culture, which is often sidelined in in. In, I think all European countries, you know, it does not have the representation it deserves. So, yeah, from I believe 2015 on, we have been present with 
uh, really high quality collections on catwalks, uh, mainly in Budapest, the Fashion Week, but also we've been to the Fashion Week in, in Vienna, in, uh, in Brussels, so, you know, major European mm -hmm. uh, fashion, fashion events. And um, yeah, this, this is something that can generate a lot, a lot of attention to, right. to Roma culture. And my final question would be about COVID-19, which has certainly changed the plans of many companies and small businesses around the world. Was there something you had to adjust and um, what are your plans for the upcoming months? It's also interesting. Um, yes, uh, we, we lost a lot of revenue due to COVID-19 because we don't only sell clothes, but we also organize cultural events, uh, you know, with fashion shows, with, with workshops aimed for different audiences. And then this was, of course, impossible in the past couple of uh, months. So what we did is we decided to, uh, you know, kind of like focus on online selling. And uh, we were quite successful in that, but uh, there is still a lot of room for improvement. So we are trying to match expertise to, to this task, you know, to really uh, uh, build up sales channels on online, which in a way is, is much needed in this world right now. But uh, of course, we also prefer in-person interactions because that's always a room for an opportunity for, you know, meeting each other. This year, in 2020, Romani Design celebrates its uh, 10th birthday. And uh, during uh, the COVID-19 uh, confinements and, and lockdowns here in Hungary, we also dedicated quite some time to planning events that celebrate uh, the brand and also, you know, people's contribution to the brand, whether these are uh, Roma women who, you know, participated in so many of our activities, whether these are allies who expressed solidarity through uh, varying Romani design. So in, uh, at the end of September, beginning of October, we will have a, a show, an exhibition, and uh, we are preparing for, for that right now. Our plan is also to come up with a digital uh, tour of the exhibition so that uh, people, especially Roma people, can um, walk through the exhibition uh, in, a, in an interactive, uh, really exciting format. So we are fundraising for that right now. So I think this will be... The, the year ahead. So we are really preparing now for, for this. So there is a lot with that, um, a lot of tasks. And uh, yeah, this is what we focus on right now. And now we'll be joined by Louise Brooks-Jones, a Romani woman from the UK, who recently started a new project called the Dichlo Collective. She sends Romani scarves and traditional ribbons to Roma around the world in parcels and for free. Let's find out how Romani design for Louise can be a form of self-expression and a proud statement of Romani identity. Uh, so it means the scarf, right? Yeah. The one that you're wearing right now. Yeah, I'm actually wearing um, a Dichlo right now. I'm actually wearing two. I've also got one in my hair. Um, but I'm also wearing one as a shawl, yes. Our listeners cannot see you, but they are beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. So the idea of Dichlo Collective, when did it come to your mind and when did you start? Um, well, it came to me a while ago. Um, basically, I launched it on Romani Resistance Day on the 16th of May, um, informally. Um, and basically, the idea just came from 
I realized that in a lot of Roma and wider GRTs like Gypsy Roma Traveler activism, um, a lot of our work is centered on changing majority societies' minds about us. Um, and I think sometimes, although that's really needed, we also sometimes forget to empower our, in our individuals and cultivate like, you know, cultural identity um, and really kind of contend with our own internalized um, issues with our identity because of racism and because of anti-gypsyism. Um, so, because I've always gone to like events, um, you know, not always in like full traditional dress, but having like traditional aspects, like maybe just my dick clothes or something like that, um, or my skirts. Um, and I noticed that I would have a lot of other Roma women or young women approaching me essentially being like, oh, I wish I had the confidence to wear that. Um, and after a while, it really got me thinking like, well, why can't people access it? Or why can't young people express our identity in a way that's unapologetically Roma or unapologetically um, GRT, so like Gypsy Roma Traveler? It essentially just got me thinking like, why aren't young people from our communities expressing their identity? Um, and I feel like it comes from two ways. It's because of majority society. I also think people worry about what other people in our community would think. Mm -hmm. Like, so I guess it seems quite old style. Um, and I just thought, well, why don't I launch something where people can access the clothes, um, Romani feminist stickers, um traditional hair ribbons that i hand make um and things like that for free worldwide for free i was like why is no one doing that or <laughs> why hasn't that been done before um and i thought that's something i can do you know it's light parcels that i can send around worldwide um so yeah so at the moment you're sending kind of gifts to the people and these gifts vary, like you're making the ribbons and getting these tickles for them. Uh, what is the process like? You're making it with your hands or trying mm -hmm. to find somewhere and retiring and then trying to send them to the um, right address and to the people who really need and want them. How does it all work? Yeah, um, so it's changing up a bit. So I'll talk about the process because basically um, I was doing this alone. Um, and then my one of my close friends, Naomi Negron, she's also Roma based in New York. She's now helping me um, and she's really helped me streamline it to be a lot more um, professional, um, which we're going to be launching today. Um, mm -hmm. But I'll just go into like the process before I manage to know that this kind of needs a structure. Um, because initially when I launched it I kind of had this idea that only like three of my mates would do it like to not make me look like a fool on the internet but then like it got up to like over 60 orders um and I was like oh wow like that's a lot of people I um they these were orders from um the US Canada um Slovakia France Germany um Brazil like these were from a lot of countries around the world of Roma wanting to express themselves I'd like I just buy materials to hand make I don't have a sewing machine so I've just been like hand sewing ribbons um for people with like um I ask people what they would like so I also have these little like satin um roses I can include on them or bells and coins and I supply dear clothes um I try my very best to get them from Roma businesses so essentially everything that I'm doing 
it's all centered in um, making sure that I am supporting Roma businesses. Like, you know, um, you know, I'm not going to buy like stuff from, you know, Gadget trying to profit off of our cultural heritage. That mm-hmm. is something that I'm really against. Okay. So one thing is that you're organizing all these things. Mm. But another thing is funding. Um, it's impossible to do things like this without money. So how does yeah. it work? Um, so mainly I've been investing my furlough wages into doing it. So um, I get around £120 every two weeks from my wages, which I've just been investing in the project. Um, something else is um, I the only thing that isn't free with this project at the moment, I stress at the moment because I have applied for funding, um, but people do need to pay for postage and that's all I ask for. Um, but if people can't pay postage, then I've done this scheme where um, people can donate forward, like postage money um, toward that goes towards either people who can't afford postage and covering that for them, or it goes towards the purchase of declose goes towards the Diclo collective in general. Do you see in nowadays fashion the future for the Roman design? Yes, I see a future for Roma design that's actually owned by Roma people because I think so many white owned fashion houses or gorgeous owned fashion houses take elements of our culture and appropriate them and misrepresent them and also just um, and I think this is a shame because also that like they get it so wrong and it's also so much uglier than like what we actually have as a community. Um, <laughs> like the stuff that we create is so much prettier, so much nicer and is authentic. Um, and I think that's something that will always live on. I think we need to appreciate that. I think Roma fashion has always been important, has always been beautiful and has always been um fabulous any way that you can express your identity or feel pride is an act of resistance mm-hmm. um because me going out every day in my dear clothes is an act of resistance is a way of saying i will be roma whether you want me to or not um there will always be a future in like roma fashion as long as roma people um feel more confident in being able to express themselves like um when i say future for roma fashion I'm not looking at it in the context of um, white fame. I'm looking at it in the context of within our individual communities. Living on doesn't have to be being plastered on the covers of Vogue. Being um, you know, important and surviving as a fashion and as something that's beautiful doesn't have to be on the covers of Bazaar or um, Tatler or any of these like big magazines or fashion houses. It just has to live on within our individual lives and in our individual communities. It doesn't have to be on catwalks in Paris. It doesn't have to be on these bourgeois, um, you know, white middle-class um, forms of fame, fortune, and success. It just has to live on within our people. And I think that's what's something that's also important. That's all for today. Stay tuned for the next episode. And don't forget to subscribe our podcast on SoundCloud and Spotify.